This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I'm Chineo Gumake. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. You're now listening to the Destination Debbie Podcast. I present your host, Ray Garvin, the creator of Destination Debbie, and your go-to source for all things Debbie and college football. Yo, 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 welcome back to the station, good people. This is Destination Debbie. I am your host of this here thing that we do, Ray G. You can find me on Twitter at Ray GQ. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Make sure you're locked into the podcast. Got a lot of good stuff going on, but today I I did not plan on doing this. I didn't plan on doing this, but I think we have to. It is time to, it's time to really sound the alarm for Indianapolis Colts rookie running back Jonathan Taylor here in 2020. And we are we are at DEFCON 5. I, I watched Twitter burn last night because Jonathan Taylor's seven carry, what did he have? 12 yards, two receptions, 20-yard game, vultured at the goal line, stopped at the goal line, watching Naeem Hines, watching Jordan Wilkins, watching Trey Burton play quarterback, watching Jacoby Brissett go into the end zone. What the hell is going on in Indianapolis? What does all of this mean for JT? What does that mean for us in fantasy who we were drafting him in not just rookie drafts. We know he was going high in rookie drafts. We were drafting this dude High in dynasty startup drafts. I mean, over some proven players. I mean, it wasn't even a question. People wanted JT over Derrick Henry. JT over, hell, Miles Sanders in some cases, or Josh Jacobs, or what What? What now? Where do we go from here? What happens? Why, why is this happening? Why is this player who ran a 4.39, who had a 99th percentile speed score, a 71st percentile burst score at 5 foot 10, 226 pounds with a 93rd percentile college dominator rating. Why is this happening? Like what is going on? What, what to, what do we make of this situation? Why is Naeem Hines, you know, in his, what year is this year three, year four for Hines? Why is this five foot eight, 198 pound running back 
relegating Jonathan Taylor, this generational talent, to the bench. What is going on? Well, I engaged in a little bit of conversation last night, and uh, a lot of it, I, I, I fade the noise. I, I avoid that foolishness, right? If you want to talk about my thoughts and perspectives, then cool, but we ain't going in, we ain't diving into the BS. So a lot of people, the, the, the narrative is just get him more work, get him involved, get him, get him going, give him a couple of series. I agree. I agree. I do believe that the running back position is a rhythm position, right? And like it or not, the Colts are the Colts are a playoff team. They're six and three now. Phillip Rivers, I think they need a new quarterback, but he's not playing horribly. Like he's not playing. I would have rather had Phillip Rivers over Ryan Tannehill last night. Phillip Rivers isn't losing them games. They are a playoff contending team in a bad AFC South division with the Texans, the the Jags, the Titans. Like that was their competition in the AFC South. So that was an important game for the Colts last night. And they chose not to feature Jonathan Taylor. They came out of the gates, getting them the ball, getting him the ball earlier. He caught a pass, uh, picked up 11 yards on the first play of the game. And then, you know, stuffed a couple of times. They work in Hines. They work in Wilkins. What is going on? Why isn't he thriving? Okay. And I just want to take it back. Let's walk it back to who he was as a collegiate prospect, who he was at Wisconsin, what he had around him at Wisconsin. And I am the number one like proponent or whatever you want to call it of scout the player, not the helmet, scout the player, not the jersey. The things that happened in the past don't have any bearing on on what is currently happening. We've seen that with Baylor wide receivers. We can talk about USC quarterbacks or USC wide receivers. And in this case, we can talk about Wisconsin Wisconsin running backs. And I, I'm talking Ron Dane. And before Ron Dane, before Melvin Gordon and James White, we've got examples of Wisconsin running backs thriving inside the Big Ten and not performing as well as we probably thought they should coming out of college based on their collegiate profile. Jonathan Taylor, three straight collegiate years, three straight collegiate years, seasons of 2,000 scrimmage yards and above. Like legitimately one of the greatest college football running backs of all time. This is not my opinion. This is this is data. This is stats. This is people in the community. One of the greatest college football running backs of all time, gets drafted to this Colts team with significant draft capital. He was a second round pick, albeit the third running back off of the board. And this this freak athlete, why is he not succeeding? Well, the Colts offensive line is not as good as it was last year. All right. They're Offensive receiving weapons. T.Y. Hilton isn't the same player. The tight end position, you know, they don't really have anybody stretching the seams like an Eric Ebron was able to do. I'm making a lot of excuses here, but I'm just trying to I'm trying to paint the picture. So if the offensive line isn't doing as well, if the receiving weapons have gone down a little bit and Michael Pittman Jr. looked fantastic last night, that doesn't make it easier for the running back to succeed. I want to start by saying, let me let me get this out of the way now. I am still a believer of the talent 
of Jonathan Taylor. I'm, I'm a believer in his talent. I'm a believer that things will turn around for JT, that he is not a colossal bust, that he is not Trent Richardson, that he is not a wasted pick. But that's the optimistic side of me. That is the optimism shining through. That is what I believe. I still have him ranked pretty high in my cornerstone rankings as a top 20 player over the past three draft classes. But we can't ignore the fact that vision and Jordan Reed, somebody that I I respect tremendously on Twitter, draft analyst for the Draft Network. I mean, fantastic former college football player himself. Really, my vision aligns with his a ton when it comes to these players and things that matter. Vision matters at running back. It matters. You have to be able to see it, feel it, hit it, and it has to happen instantaneously. Plays happen. I only played at the collegiate level. Division two at that. And the speed from high school to D2 football was a huge gap. Like it, it took me a while to acclimate. That's why I had to redshirt as a freshman to get acclimated. So I can only imagine the speed from, even though it's a power five school, the speed from the collegiate game to the NFL level. And when you don't have an offensive line that was as effective as the line that you just came from over the past three years, you will struggle. And to add to these struggles, there was nothing normal about his preseason process. There was nothing normal about the offseason. He didn't have time to develop this continuity with his offensive line. This was supposed to be, I guess, a three-headed monster with Marlon Mack, Naeem Hines, and Jonathan Taylor. So Marlon Mack throughout the entire training camp was taking majority of the first team reps that work in Taylor and of course, but Hines is still taking, taking reps. So he's getting a third of what he probably could have seen had he been the guy coming into the season. So no time to develop the continuity with the offensive line. The offensive line has been banged up. They're not playing as well as they did last year. And you've got a running back who in college, if we look at their offensive line stats at Wisconsin during his three-year career, all right? So according to footballoutsiders.com, great stats for, for collegiate offensive linemen. In 2017, the adjusted line yards for Wisconsin per carry, 18th in college football. Standard down line yards. What this means is these are the raw, unadjusted per carry line yardage for a team on standard down. So first down, second down, and seven or fewer, third and four or fewer, fourth and four or fewer. So your standard line down yards. What is that offensive line creating? 24th in college football, and then the stuff rate, which is really important to me. It's the percentage of carries uh, by a running back that are stopped before or at the line of scrimmage. So, you know, how often is that defensive line getting penetration and stopping you as soon as you get the ball? 30th in college football. So still, when you're talking about 130 Division I teams, they're still top 30 offensive line. And probably if we average all this out, a top 25 offensive line, as his, as his true freshman season unfolded. Now you go to a sophomore season where he absolutely broke out, consensus All-American across the board, really put his name on the map as one of the top players in college football. Check this out. Line yards per carry. Line yards per carry, okay? This one is the line gets credit for rushing yards between zero and three yards, uh, 50% credit for four and eight yards, runs between four and eight yards, and anything over eight yards is qualified as a highlight opportunity and the credit goes to the runner, okay? So what is the offensive line doing opposed to what the running back is doing? 
Standard line yards per carry in 2018 for Jonathan Taylor, 3.36, first in college football. Standard down line yards, 3.41, first in college football. Stuff rate. How many, what's the percentage of Jonathan Taylor getting stopped or hit or contacted at or before the line of scrimmage? Second in college football at 11.7%. He wasn't getting touched. The line was opening cadaverous type gaping holes. He was getting through the line of scrimmage without being contacted, was not hit before the line of scrimmage. He did not have to see anything. There was no vision required. Left guard, left tackle, they open up a wide asshole hole, run through it, Jonathan Taylor, and you are a supreme athlete, a, a blazer in the 100-meter dash in high school. You run a 4.39, and you're 230 pounds. Run fast and, and do your thing in the open field. Fantastic. I mean, the best offensive line in college football in 2018. In 2019, they took a little bit of a dip. They dropped from first in line yards per carry to 15th in college football. They dropped down from first in their standard down line yards to seventh in college football. And they took a little bit of dip uh, on the stuff carry rate from uh, second in college football to ninth in college football. So even in his final season at Wisconsin, they were top 10 across the board in run blocking offensive line advanced analytics. He did not have to read blocks in college. He did not have to do that. And you don't, you may not want to hear that. You may not want to accept that, but that is the reality of Jonathan Taylor. He did not have to do those things. So what does that mean for his struggles now? Well, lack of preseason, lack of working with the offensive line. And then when you have a diminished offensive line, you've got to make some shit shake. Like you've got to be able to do that on your own. And right now he has not done that. And I know a lot of people were, Ray, well, uh, Naheem Hines is not facing nearly the stacked front box that Jonathan Taylor is, is, is facing. Naeem Hines, when he gets on the field, that that you know, all the defenders, they're, they're in prevent coverage, and there's three down linemen, no linebackers, and, and uh, nine defensive backs. So that's why Naheem Hines is thriving the way he is. Well, let's take a look. And according to playerprofiler.com, they got some good stuff. Uh, the, the stats from last night's game are not loaded into this system right now. So I'm probably a little bit too early. I'll text Matt Kelly and tell him I got a show. Make sure you update it next time. But Jonathan Taylor, average defenders in the box for him, 7.3, which is third in the NFL. That's a high rate. Average defenders in the box for Naheem Hines when he's on the field, 6.3, 60th in the NFL. So Jonathan Taylor is seeing at least an average defender in the box during his formation specific carries stacked front rate for Jonathan Taylor stacked front rate 10.4 percent 48th in the NFL Naheem Hines 3 percent 56th in the NFL so we're seeing a a higher stacked front carry rate but not top 10 in the NFL base front carry rate okay base front not blitzing it's not stacked up Jonathan Taylor 51.9 percent seventh in the league Naheem Hines 27.3 percent 50th in the league so base front Jonathan Taylor is seeing more defenders in the box. He is seeing a heavier front than a player like Naheem Hines. But let's think about this for a second. Why is that probably the case? Well, on first and second down, when Jonathan Taylor's in there, which I believe is the reason why they threw him the ball early, the defense knows he's going to run the ball. There's no difference between that and Ronald Jones being in the backfield. That and a Derrick Henry being in the backfield. You want to pull up Derrick Henry's 
uh, stack front carry rate. And let's take a look at Jonathan Taylor versus Derrick Henry. And for all accounts, people were taking Jonathan Taylor over Derrick Henry. That's the generational talent. So what's good for the goose has to be good for the gander. We cannot continue to use these, these metrics, these analytics as a way to insulate or make excuses for the lack of production of Jonathan Taylor. Joe Mixon's offensive line was absolute shit last year, but he was able to thrive despite those you know, disadvantaged situations that he was facing. It's time to stop making excuses for JT. I still believe that Jonathan Taylor is a very, very talented running back. I be- Listen, Ronald Jones in his rookie season rushed for four, 44 yards, 44 yards in his rookie season as a second round pick. He comes back the very next season, over 700 rushing yards, over 1,000 total yards in his second season. The, the, the story is not written on Jonathan Taylor. We're not even, we're still in chapter one. We haven't even moved to chapter two. Chapter one is uh, the talent is there. The opportunity may not present itself this season. Next year is where everything is going to, it's either going to come together next season or that's when I'll I'll bail on JT. But right now, where we're at, 2020 looks like it's not going to be his best season. Naeem Hines has earned work. I don't care about how many people are in the box. When he's on the field, he's making plays. They trust him enough to get him the ball on the goal line. They trust him enough to throw the ball to him. They trust him enough that when that game was tight, he was the running back that was on the field. And y'all got to re- accept it. Come to terms with it. I know we don't like it. We want Jonathan Taylor to be that, but you know what? We have seen countless examples of NFL players drafted with high draft capital, first round picks, second round picks, not get on the field and not produce. It happens. Jonathan Taylor is not, this is not exclusive to Jonathan Taylor. This is not a Jonathan Taylor issue. I can assure you that the NFL teams aren't just doing that to do it. Something is happening behind the scenes. Something is happening in practice to force those coaches, those positional coordinators to say, we want to see that guy on the field. And I had a conversation with somebody last night and they said, well, if he just gets the opportunities, give him the opportunities, your opportunities aren't earned on game day. That ain't how it works. If you've been dog shit in practice all week long, you think that you're going to earn those opportunities in the game? No. Your opportunities are earned by what you do throughout the week. And none of us know what the hell is going on behind the scenes in Indianapolis. We don't know. But what we do know is when we watch the product on the field right now at this very moment, Naeem Hines stack front or not more defenders, one extra defender in the box or not. He is producing with the opportunities that he is being given That is the reality of it. That does not mean Jonathan Taylor is a bust. That does not mean Jonathan Taylor is a bad running back. If I had to bet on it right now, I think he blows the hell up next year. He's going to have a a season of production under his belt, which he's not playing 
horribly, right? He's not giving us what we want, but he isn't just a colossal Ronald Jones type rookie bust. But I would bet the house that next season we see legitimate Jonathan Taylor, but we also have to come to grips with is is as positive as I want to be, as as optimistic as I want to be. There is a possibility and a world exists where he just ain't what we thought he was. He is not seeing, he is not feeling, he is not playing with confidence. And when he gets pulled, they put him running backs in the game who, who end up producing. Now, Wilkins, he stinks. I, I, I have no argument for Wilkins. Naeem Hines has earned a role on that team. And it's going to be interesting to see what Indianapolis does next year with Marlon Mack. Do they bring him back? I know he had the Achilles tear, but from all reports, he's, he's, he's being a good mentor. He's been a great team player. He's still young, and he was able to succeed behind this offensive line last year, albeit a better offensive line. But yes, the panic is real for JT in 2020. If you participate in fantasy leagues, in dynasty leagues in particular, I would be trying to acquire Jonathan Taylor right now on the low. That would be my advice. I am betting on what he can become and on what he can be in 2021. But in the back of my mind, I'm also saying he isn't generational. He came from the most advantageous offensive situation of any collegiate incoming running back last season. Uh, And he's had that over the past couple of years. So now you've got to get a player who we've got to train him to see stuff because he didn't have to see in college. He did not have to see. And we don't have to watch the tape. We got the numbers in front of us that show his offensive line helped him out tremendously at Wisconsin. So wanted to drop this quick show talking about Jonathan Taylor, ring the alarm for 2020. But I am still, still, still a believer in one of the greatest collegiate running backs of all time, one of the best combine performances, and one of the best, I believe, with confidence, with that confidence, can be one of the best running backs in the NFL. So hope you enjoyed this quick mini show. I appreciate you tuning by. If you liked it, thumbs up the thumbs up the video, subscribe to the channel, subscribe to the podcast. And if you want exclusive access to me, patreon.com forward slash all gas is where I'm at. Y'all have a good weekend. College football on Sunday, future cash show, college football on Saturday, future cash show dropping next Monday. And we got some NFL football this Sunday. I appreciate y'all tuning in. I am out. Peace. Thank you.